Our scripture reading, brothers and sisters, comes from Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. And our sermon today is entitled, Jesus and the Paralytic. And this is the Lord's word. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus Perceiving in his spirit that they thus question within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. As we continue our series in the gospel of Mark, we are seeing Jesus's encounters with different types of people in his ministry. We are seeing how God interacts with his disciples, seeing how God interacts with with someone with an unclean spirit. And here we can see how Jesus interacts, especially with the scribes or the religious leaders of the day. And when we look at each of these encounters, we see a piece of ourselves as well. Perhaps you are the one that God is saying, hey, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And you know that God wants you to follow him and you need to say, yes, I will go immediately and follow you and obey you. Perhaps some of you here are saying to yourselves, you know, my life is kind of a mess, and I've been trying my best to keep my life together. Maybe I should just let it go finally. Jesus says, just follow me. I'm going to follow him. Perhaps there are some of you who are wrestling with your sins. Perhaps you're wrestling with with, 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 with your own thoughts about who you are. And God says unto you, 
Come to me. I am the one who will heal you. I am the one who will show you the path. Just trust me and come with me step by step. Either way, we see this Jesus of Nazareth able to know the hearts of the people about him and knowing how to speak to each individual in such a way that he reveals himself bit by bit so that each individual himself and herself can say in their hearts, this Jesus is a bit different. This Jesus and his love is a bit different. Tell me more who you are, Jesus. My prayer and my hope as we continue this series is that you will see the love of Jesus towards each individual and towards you. And that you'll see in each of these people that he encounters a piece of yourself, perhaps, and how Jesus needs to minister to you. So here we are. Jesus has been healing people like crazy. There's been a rumor that's been going out. There's this man of Nazareth named Jesus that if you bring your sick, you bring you're wounded, he will come and heal them. It's all about them, people who are sick, people who are demon-possessed are coming, and Jesus is healing them. Now, you can imagine Jesus is like, wow, this is, this is getting crazy. There's, there's all these people coming to me. Here at Capernaum, Jesus is at a house, and there's a huge crowd about them. And what is Jesus doing? He's preaching the word of God. He's teaching them about the New Testament, Old Testament. He's teaching them about God. He's teaching them about sin. He's teaching about redemption. He's teaching about all that God is doing, and the people are listening. Why wouldn't you listen? Here's a man who can heal people, who can do miracles. Why would you not listen? To this man. You have seen people who are blind who could see. Why wouldn't you listen to this man? You have seen people who are demon possessed getting into their right mind. Why wouldn't you listen to this man? And there was this great, great uproar in Jerusalem. Who is this Jesus of Nazareth who is upending? our understanding of God. So as he was teaching, these friends who apparently loved their other friend, the paralytic, decided we need to bring him to Jesus. Now, a paralytic is simply someone who can't walk. Right? Children, if you have your piece of paper, you'll see that there's a, there's a question about that. A paralytic is someone who just can't walk. In fact, they put the paralytic on, on, on some sort of bed, a stretcher, perhaps. And they loved this man so much that they brought him to Jesus. 
But as they brought him, the, the crowd was just, was just so full that they couldn't get him to Jesus himself. But the love of these people for that man was tremendous. There are some of us, and perhaps it's, you know, that if we saw that, that uh, there's a crowd of people, we'd be like, oh, well, just have time to go home. But they were persistent. They climbed up onto the roof. And you can imagine them on the roof and, and, and the roofs, the hay just starting to come down and everyone looking up. And the three men lowered the paralytic down before Jesus. And everyone was watching. What will Jesus do? Will Jesus heal this man as well? Will he show himself to be a prophet? This story in the Gospel of Mark is, I believe, the first story where Jesus actually starts to make his disciples' minds work. Starts to make people question who he is. Jesus sees this man before him. Maybe he looks around. And he says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. Totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. This is the first time Jesus utters that word, those words. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now imagine if, if you were sick and you had to go to the hospital. You went to the emergency room. And instead of bringing the doctor, they bring the chaplain. And the chaplain looks at you and says, your sins are forgiven and walks away. You'd be, you'd be in an uproar. It's like, this, this isn't why we brought this man here. But everyone was watching Jesus. Your son, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes, the leaders of the day, the Jewish leaders of the day, <coughs> rightfully were murmuring amongst themselves, saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? There's no one who can forgive sins but God alone. This man, Jesus, is a blasphemer. He deserves to be stoned. He deserves to be cast away. He deserves to be named a false prophet. Remember, in the Old Testament, the only person who can forgive is God. And the only way that you can be forgiven by God is to bring your sacrifices unto the temple. You bring your sacrifices unto the temple. And the priests there basically uh, sacrifice and offer it to the Lord that the blood that is spilled by the animal, well, ushers in forgiveness by God unto you. Who is this man who can simply say, with just his words, no blood, no sacrifice, with just his words, simply say, son, your sins are forgiven. And I'm sure everyone about them was confused. Even the scribes.
And Jesus, knowing what was happening, said unto them this, this beautiful phrase. He says, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Which is easier? I love this question. This is sort of a question you get in a seminar class, right? It's like, there's no right or wrong answer. But the discussion itself is full of truths and full of of a worldview and an understanding of who Jesus is. It makes you think deeply about Jesus. It makes you think deeply about healing. It makes you think deeply about forgiveness. Because we can say on the one hand, it's easier to simply say your sins are forgiven because it's just words, right? How do you know his sins are forgiven? Is there a sign? Is there like a, a halo that, that appears you know, above the person? How do we know? Or is it easier to heal someone? Well, in a sense, it's harder to heal because if you heal them, you'll you'll see the the results of that. But we know as religious people that actually the forgiveness of sins is, is is a greater work than the healing of the body. So which is it? Which is easier to do? And Jesus says to them, that you may know that the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And everyone was utterly amazed when the man picked up his mat and he went home. You see, what Jesus was doing was linking together his role as the Messiah, as the one who has come to usher in the kingdom of God, the one who can drive out demons, the one who can heal the sick. With the most important aspect of his ministry, which is to forgive people of their sins. And so they started to realize that this prophet Jesus, this healer Jesus, this priest Jesus was unlike any other prophet. Jesus is very different from the prophets of the Old Testament. Remember, when we went through Malachi once again, Malachi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, God will reveal a word to them. The prophets would basically say, I don't want to say that, God, that's too hard. And God says, you better say it. And go, okay, I'll say it. The prophet goes and says it. And everyone knows that this isn't their words. It's, it's the word of God through the prophet. We learned last week that when Jesus spoke, he spoke as one with authority. 
not like a prophet getting the word of God and, and then speaking, but he was the word of God. His words were the very words of God. It was different. In the same way, when Jesus heals, he heals not in simply in the name of Jesus I heal you, or in the name of God I heal He heals by his own essence of being God. I will heal you because I am God. And in this passage reveals the fullness of his intent to bring forgiveness of sins to all who confess their sins, to bring wholeness to a people who are broken by sin, to bring hope to a people who are trapped in hopelessness because of sin. You see, Jesus wants you and me and all of us to see that the healing of people, the driving out the demons of people, they're all signs of, of, of Jesus' power and his identity as a Messiah. But he wants you to start thinking that the greatest thing that I need is to be forgiven of my sins. And to know that I belong to a Messiah, to a Savior who loves me. There was a time in the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages where people thought that the only way to receive forgiveness from God was to go to confessional to a Catholic priest. You would go in, you probably guys seen all the movies, right? You go into confessional, you say your piece, and the priest himself would say, Well, I need you to say 12 Hail Marys and say, repeat the rosary 20, rosary, rosary 20 times. Or if you've seen the movie The Mission, you know, to, to go overseas and to give your life to missions, whatever it be, you need to do some work to, to prove your, your repentance. It's, that's what the doctrine of penance in the Catholic Church is about. And then afterwards, after you do that, then you can come to, 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 um, to the Mass and take of the Eucharist, you know, the, the blood and the, and the body of Christ. In the Catholic Church, when you took the blood and the body, you're actually taking the very body and blood of Jesus. And in so doing, you're actually, begin, be, you're actually being forgiven by God again. This is why the, the Catholic Church was so powerful. And this is why the Reformation is, it was a complete revolution. Because the Catholic Church had the corner on salvation. If you wanted salvation during the Middle Ages, you had to go to the Catholic Church. If you wanted to be forgiven of your sins, you needed to take of the Eucharist. You needed to take that communion. If you didn't take it, you were still in damnation. 
What made the Reformation so great was when Martin Luther and other reformers simply said, you don't need to take that. All you need to do is say, I believe in Jesus, and you are justified by faith once and for all. And in Protestant Christianity, in our church as well, when we take communion, there's nothing, like I always say, there's nothing magical about it. You are forgiven once and for all in Christ. And so the miracle of the Reformation, to, to me, is not simply the theological shift. But it's all these people during the Middle Ages being able to recognize the truth of that. This is hard. Think of it. If I told all of you, right, let's put, let's this is, use this as an example. For those of us, when we have money, where do we put it? We put it in the bank. Most of us, when we think about investment, we, we think about stocks, bonds, whatever it may be, real estate. Not that's all we know, that's all we've done. And all of a sudden, Bitcoin comes along. Cryptocurrency comes along. And someone says to you, all these other investments you need to get rid of, the only way to invest your hard-earned money is cryptocurrency. Most of us would be like, no way, I'm not doing that. Maybe I'll dabble in a little bit, but no way am I going to give up all of that and just go this one direction with my finances. It will upend everything and every way that I, I did my finances. It's just the same thing. <clears throat> During the Reformation, there said, if they said, you need to go through the Catholic Church. They say, no, all you need to do is believe in Jesus himself. This is what we're seeing here. This is why the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is why the religious leaders of the day were, were afraid of Jesus, because they were the ones that you need to go through for forgiveness of sins. You need to bring the sacrifices to them that they may bring it to the Lord. But what is Jesus saying? I am the one who forgives sins. I am the one who can bring you to the Father. I am the one who can give you life. All you need to do is come to me. You see, what's interesting about this passage is in the beginning, the, the paralytic is the main pr protagonist that we sort of focus on. And by the end, we're not even thinking about the paralytic anymore. We're thinking about Jesus and who he is to me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus is not only the one who can heal you. He's not only the one. He's not only the one who does miracles. But he is the one who has come to forgive you of your sins. To make you whole with the Lord again. To bring shalom to one another again. He has come to you. Answer him. And know that he is good and generous 
with his love and grace. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. We ask of you, Lord God, to forgive us of our sins. Lord, the people of this day in the passage do not realize yet that you will sacrifice your own body, that the blood you spill will be the final sacrifice that is given for the forgiveness of sins. But we know that. And we know that you have offered that forgiveness unto us. And you have offered life here and life in eternity unto us. Lord, speak to each and every individual. Speak to each and every family. Speak to our church. And bring renewal, Lord God that we would see that all the troubles, all the complaining, all the challenges in our life that bring us um, sorrow, well, it's because of our sin and our distrust of you and of your plans for us. Teach us once again to submit unto you, knowing that you and you alone have the wisdom and the power to give us life. In Christ's name we pray, amen.